Hello and welcome. This is Friend Request. I am your host, Justin Lamb, and this is episode 75 with my friend, Corey. I was very excited to sit down with Corey. I think you will get this from the very start. She is just this ball of radiant, positive energy. Uh, to be friends with Corey is a privilege, and and I think you would get that exact impression if you were to hang out with her as well. She talks about all the different groups of friends she keeps, and, and I think it's really a uh, uh, representative of her personality. And it's good that she's a good person because she judges people professionally for a living. So uh, it's good to be a good person in that role and not a piece of crap. So that is exciting. And I think you're going to be just as overjoyed as I was by this. So without further ado, here is my friend, Corey. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? Uh, yeah, so uh, I'm excited you're here, and as you may or may not know, because we set this up because you texted me because you were listening to an episode, and I was so excited. <laughs> um, I start out with how I know people. Yes. I know you from Best Buy originally. Uh, uh, so like, basic Like for so this many podcast. people. Yeah, no, well, it's funny. I, I, I once separated all my Facebook friends into the categories of Best Buy, high school, and like other. Because <laughs> it was like, it, there was, there was a majority there. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, then we started hanging out and we have this, this mutual group of friends now. I went to your wedding, uh, which seems like last year, but was two years ago because COVID. And, uh, and, and I'm, I'm so excited that, that we're still friends and, and I'm excited to know a bunch about you. Cause I was trying to think about that and the things I do know about you, uh, in like the grand scheme of your life are pretty slim. Like, I don't know. Um, I don't know if you have siblings. I don't think you do. Oh, see. And then you <laughs> nod. Uh, See, I told you. Um, like, but I, I know you. I know you went to Cooley. Yeah, you know, like um, lawyer. Know, yeah, uh, I know you had a brief stint at Best Buy. <laughs> I worked at Best Buy. That's um, accurate. <laughs> but uh, yeah, let's let's go back in time. You do have a sibling. Siblings? I do have two siblings. I went to your if wedding. I didn't even not. know you had siblings. My brother performed the ceremony. He was the ceremony performer <laughs> that's the official uh name the officiant yeah i know i said it i was like oh uh. <laughs> yeah my older brother was the officiant at the wedding so uh older brother what's the other one younger brother so i'm the middle child oh. but the only girl so i think that kind of is that why you get along with erica so well you're both middle children <laughs> maybe are you both trying to please each other are you both people pleasers <laughs> i'm definitely a people pleaser if that's a middle child syndrome yeah, it is for sure that is 100 percent. always true. trying to fix things Yes, yeah. I think that's 100% accurate of me. But I also think because I was the only girl, you know, I probably didn't get all the middle children syndromes because yeah. I was also the only girl. So kind of. What's the age difference? So my older brother is a year and a half older than me. So oh, we're very, we're pretty yeah. close in age. And then my younger brother is five years younger. So you and your older brother, parents wasted no time. There. Right. And then my younger brother, maybe he was an oopsie. I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know that we Strike ever... it. Strike it. Never asked about it. Um, that's funny. We're happy he's here. Yeah, exactly. That's In the end, it was a good thing. Uh, so are you? did you grow up really close with your brother then, your older brother, because you guys are so close no. in age? No. Well, I guess when we were kids, we were all close. Yeah. I mean, we would play together. And my cousins, we would all play. So yeah, I guess, but not... I mean, I would never say we were, like, really close friends. Buddies. Yeah. No. I <laughs> mean, you? me and my brothers are not particularly close. But we're not particularly yeah. separate either. Yeah, yeah. You know. Um, yeah. I don't think the opposite has to be true where you're like, oh, we fucking hate each other. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. I would say. I will say I think the older I got, the more my brother, my older brother respected me. He, I think he saw me maybe as a little bit more of a frivolous person when I was younger. And then it's the, funny to think magistrate in your <laughs> I mean like in high school I think he was like oh you're just annoy an annoying high school girl but yeah. then the older I got he was like oh wow you're actually really smart and like you have good views on things and he like grew to respect me more so I think our relationship got better with age That's but good. we never I mean, we didn't fight or anything yeah. but you guys were always in school at the same time right what are you a year yeah. like grade wise you're a year apart yep Great yards were a year apart, but our high school was so large. I mean, we went, like, Warren had 500 students. So, so I don't he, even remember encountering him at school. Let's segue to that just because I, I skipped ahead too much. I'm sorry. But okay. <laughs> uh, Lake Orion, were you, like, born and raised? Born and raised. My okay. mom 
actually was born and raised in Lake Orion. Okay. Yep. They so live second in this... generation Orion. Person. Yes. <laughs> they live. My parents live in the same house my mom grew up in. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So, I she's... bet there's layers of cool and weird there that I would love to. <laughs> but well, what's the what's the dynamic like in the house growing up? What do your mom? What does your mom do? Or your dad do when you're born? My mom was stay at home mom, okay. and my dad was an accountant. Okay. And he worked and my mom, I guess she was a waitress. She would work like part-time jobs, Yeah. but for the most part she was at home until maybe I was in high school. Then she started working more, yeah. but I well, was I three pretty kids, much yeah. <laughs> an adult at that point. I mean, not really, but I was, I was <laughs> thinking about that too. When you have a like multiple child family, um, if the mother does work or father, like I'm not boxing people in, but, um, <laughs> All that income's like going to just go to childcare for the three kids, right? So it's yeah. going to kind of balance out at some point, I imagine, because I hear childcare is super expensive. Especially like my mom didn't go to college, so I mean, she wouldn't have had like a yeah. a job that probably justified childcare for three children. Yeah. But I don't know. I guess I've never asked them what the plan was, like if there was ever <laughs> if they ever talked about it, or if yeah, it was yeah. just like, I mean, I'm assuming they just. You know, back then, so many families were just mom stayed at home, dad went to work. And so I think yeah. they just fell into that. It's definitely like generational thing. For right. Sure. They just um, fell into that. So was your dad like regular accountant, nine to five, Monday through Friday? Yep. Yep. He was nine to five. He was come home after that. So do you remember before your youngest or your younger brother was born? Do you have any memories? I do. Yeah. So I'm wondering, it just sounds very, uh, very nuclear, right? You got the mom and dad, weekends off, sister, brother. Like what? What do you? What does that look like growing up? Yeah, I mean that's pretty much what it was. I will say. I mean we didn't do a. I mean we were we weren't poor, but we weren't rich, and so we didn't do a lot of stuff. Like I don't remember, for my childhood, like the weekends were not separate for me yeah. from the weekdays. It just all felt like the same. Yeah. <laughs> but. No Griswold family vacations. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't. I guess I just remember. You know, I'd spend a lot of time with my cousins. My mom was home. My dad was there most of the time, and we, you know, my grandparents lived nearby, so we were with them a lot too. This is a lot of family all the time. All the time. Oh yeah, I'm How very, I'm very close to my family still. Were there? I mean, not a huge family. I have, I had, we had one cousin who was close to, very close to us in age, and then a couple other cousins who were maybe like five to ten years older, and then my parents. I will say, like, my parents had two, a close. Two close friends that, that were married, like a couple friend. Yeah. And then they had three kids. So we were very close with them, too. Okay. And so that was kind of like our our core group. And my grandparents lived on the lake, and so we were always over there swimming. Yeah, there and... So we, we hinted at law school earlier. Oh, yeah. We're was... going to jump to law school. No, oh, okay. but I'm wondering, like, uh, has academia always been a theme, like, from little kid to to now? Yes. I mean, I've always been very studious i mean i read a lot as a child i was very i guess i don't know i don't, I don't want to say into school but i did well in school yeah. i made school a big priority for myself um so yeah that's always been a big a big thing for me we say you read a lot what do, what do you mean by that as a kid i mean i read i mean i read books um the novels as a child i think i remember i asked my cousin the other day you know what do you remember about me as a child i think now I'm tangenting, but probably from your podcast, it makes me think big thoughts. And I was like, what do you remember about me as a child? Like, I remember you read a lot. <laughs> you were very, like, always reading a book. I always had a book with me. Um, Did your parents read a lot? My mom likes to read. My dad doesn't really read a lot. But I wouldn't say they don't read, but they don't. My mom reads quite a bit. Well, I've, ta but... I've talked to some people, like, uh, and my answer to this is right behind me, which is a bunch of action figures. <laughs> but, like... Usually at a young age, if you really get into something that takes you into a different kind of reality, mm -hmm. um, like that's kind of like almost a coping mechanism for some things or an escapism from something. Um, did it, you So like sinking into books, like did you have a lively social life? Was there anything going on that? Well, I guess I'll say now after, you know, years of knowing myself well, I'll say I'm an anxious person. Yeah. And reading is one of the one things I can do where my mind fully focuses on something. Yeah. So I think that is something I, I like now. Cause it's like, if I'm really stressed out about something, I know I can read and like, yeah. I'm just going to read. Just go and, into it. Was right. it always, or is it always, is it still uh, fiction? 
Or is it? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I'll read other things. Like, I'll sometimes read memoirs. I'm really into cookbooks right now. Like, reading cookbooks from Ooh. cover to cover. I'm intrigued by this. It's very odd. Like, all the instructions and everything? <laughs> yeah, but more like the, you know, sometimes a lot of cookbooks will have, like, little introductions or yeah, little like, intermediary things. Especially, this like... This pie was made by Grandma Pete in 1843, and she used to smash the prunes with their hands. <laughs> things like that. But I, I like to read, um, like, about other ethnicity cookbooks like yeah. and so reading kind of some of those stories and like different kinds of food i find it really interesting, interesting. get some yeah. kind of like some multicultural yes yeah. and hearing about like their their various experiences with the food i think it's really interesting and then yeah. whether i ever cook those things we'll see <laughs> but i do like reading them so that's been something i like but mainly novels i've always been i've always read i mean i was an english major i i actually think i read less now yeah the older i get but it's what was your social life like growing up? Yeah, I mean, I think I was social. We had, um, like I said, the three friends, the three family friends that yeah. were always around, and my cousins. And I've always had a lot of friends. Okay. I've always been someone. I, like, collect friends. My Still to this day, most of my best friends are from high school. That's cool. I mean, That's, I just, that, like. Not a lot of people can say that. That's a good thing. <laughs> I did. I kind of, like, think of myself. I, like, collect people. And, yeah. like, like even, like, you and Erica. It's, like, pe- once I, I meet people and I connect with them, I stay in contact with a lot of people. Yeah. Um, which I love because I have, you know, this great friendship circle that keeps me very busy. To, so, yeah, I, I think I was like that circle. from a young age. That's I had nice. a lot of. I had friends. Yeah. Which is good. Yeah. <laughs> better than the alternative, uh, yeah. I suppose. Um, Must be my sparkling personality. There you draws go. Them in. <laughs> I, it is. You're hilarious and I love it. Um, <laughs> that, I've always been funny from a young age, too. I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, and it's it's it speaks to, uh, like, you just you came over here and, and me and Erica were so excited to hang out with you. And, like, even though I know it's been COVID, too, but I, you know, realistically speaking, how many times have we have hung out the last, like, year and a half if there wasn't COVID? So, but it, the fact that we can just pick up and, and it's it's fun and it's good seeing each other and everything. So that's, I think you probably have that effect on all those relationships in your life. And that's, that's awesome. Yeah. And I think friendships should be like that. I think friendships that where it's like, so there's so much pressure to like see each other. And if you don't, there's all these hard feelings. It's like, yeah. that's not healthy. I like, you know, if I see you every two years and then we see each other every week, that's great. And if not, you know, I yeah. still count you as a friend. <laughs> did you, uh, did you have extracurriculars growing up too? I did nerdy extracurriculars. I was really into, I, I was in the newspaper and in middle school, I was in the yearbook, uh, less interested in the yearbook, but always writing or photography too. No writing. Yeah. <laughs> no writing. I was never very into photography. Um, I was in the robotics club in high school. Ooh. That was primarily because my friends were in robotics and I wanted to be with them, but it was amazing. I mean, it was, it was a great experience and I think anything that kind of takes you out of your comfort zone is good. And then I did a bunch of other really nerdy activities. Like I was in, I was thinking about this the other day. I was in the library advisory council. Wow. I don't even know what that was. They, Corey, they invented that for you. It's not but a real I, thing. I was like in charge of putting together library activities for young adults and basically like would just invite all my friends and we would have library events. And, nice. and so I have this picture of us karaokeing in the library. And Sounds like you had fun. Yeah. Yeah. It was a different kind of fun. I mean, I was not drinking, I was not using drugs. Yeah. I was like, at the library, playing board games, you know. Yeah. What's what's life like at home as you like you're going through junior high, high school as a teenager? Like, how do you get along with your mom and your dad? I get along really great with my parents. And to this day, we get along really well. My dad is someone who's very quiet and serious, but you know, he he's I'd say he's easy to get along with. You know, he's not he's a good man. And then my mom is very, very easy to get along with. She's very like everybody loves to talk to my mom. She's very, very kind. She's the kind of person that like she can go anywhere and someone's trying giving them giving her their entire life story. People just love to talk to her. So I'd say like me, she should start a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> me and my siblings were all really close to my mom and continue to be really close to my mom to That's this cool. day. Uh and so in my parents, I mean, they just they got along really well. They didn't really fight. I yeah. mean, I think if they did fight, it was very notable because it was so unusual yeah um and so yeah i'd say the family dynamic was good i mean it was really 
I don't want to, unremarkable. I huh. wouldn't say, I th- did not face a lot of adversity in my young years. I mean, it was a, you know, I lived in a nice neighborhood, went to a good school. Yeah. Everybody that's, got along for the most part. That's great. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was very easy for me to succeed in life. Well, I, I guess <laughs> let me uh, take your, your quote and, and turn it back on you then. And I'm wondering, when did you start to face adversity and what kind of adversity was it? I'd probably say never. I don't think I've had to face the kind of adversity a lot of people have to face well, let me, in this let me, life. Let me put a caveat on that. You can't compare yourself to others. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm constantly... I mean, I think that... Hmm, I guess the older I got, the more just aware I was about the realities about life. And I guess like working and... I guess th- those are probably... Those years probably challenged me more than my younger years. Yeah. Um, what did you do... After high school, because I imagine college was immediately on your radar. I went to college right away. Yeah, I went to U of M. Okay. Yep, I went to University of Michigan and did four years there. And then I went to Cooley immediately after that and did three years there. And then I immediately started working. (laughs) What what are your four years at Michigan like? Being away from home for the first time and... uh, are you strictly academic? Does the partying start? (laughs) Some of the partying started. (laughs) I mean, certainly... I was still, you know, the great thing about Michigan is it's, it's a place where people really value education. I mean, so it didn't, it's people party and do things, but it's still really important to everybody to succeed academically. So you didn't feel like if you said, oh, I got to leave early to go study for this test. Everyone's like, oh man, yeah, you do. (laughs) Got to ace that test. You know, I mean, so it was still, you know, very academic, but I mean, yeah, I, I drank in college, but I was, I've never been much of a partier. I'm just not very cool. Part of it is like. I can assure you partying does not equate to coolness. I run out of energy very quickly too. So I think that's another um, thing. But college was, I mean, it was, I think I, I look back on college because part of me is like, man, I, I was so naive about money. Yeah. And did I, it was so indulgent to go to such an expensive school for four years when I didn't know what I wanted to do really. And I do think, and I don't know now looking back on it, I don't know if I'd make the same choice, but on the other hand, it was a really transformative time for me. And like, just, it was such a great place. And I know that I wouldn't be the same person I am now if I hadn't gone there. So it's like, uh, I don't know. I think about it a lot. Cause it's like, maybe I wouldn't have done that, to, made that choice. But yeah. at the same time, it brought me so many great experiences and, and it was just, it was a great place to be. So. Ann Arbor is a great place. To be. Right. Ann Arbor is amazing. And we were down like, there on Thursday and Erica commented, just based on what you just said, it's, it seems even more accurate. And she's like, I love being down here because it's like every, I feel like I'm surrounded by intelligent people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and it's so progressive too. It's just, yeah. it's like the only place I think I, it was such a, for four years, you're really surrounded by like-minded people. Yeah. And it's somewhere that they value diversity and they value, you know, inclusion. And it's so, it's so amazing. But I also think like lightning doesn't strike strike twice because like my friend tried to move back after college, like several years after. And it was just, it's not the same. Yeah. I'm (laughs) sure like, I I don't know. I I would bet that any experience you have from like 18 to 22, if you try to go to that again, it's not, yeah, it's not going to be the same. It doesn't work. But I mean, I majored in English and communications, but I always kind of joke that communications was pretty <laughs> silly. And... Why'd you pick U of M to begin with? I honestly, I don't know that there was a bunch of thought into it. I think I applied to, that was the best school that was in Michigan and that I thought I could probably get into realistically. I will say in high school, my friends were incredibly smart. Like, I mean, two of my friends went to MIT. Okay. I mean, like they were... I was like the underachiever in my friend group. So <laughs> it was like the best place I could probably go. And so I applied to all the Michigan schools. I didn't really consider going out of state. I think even then I probably knew that it just, <laughs> I was expensive. Michigan bound. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it was the best school I got into. And so I think I just went there. I really didn't know what I wanted to do at that point. I was undecided. Yeah. You know, looking back now, probably would have done like a gap year, worked, figured it out. But I th- think I fell into a, a great major with which was English and has really served me well. I mean, I was I basically spent four years reading novels, which sounds silly, but I think the foundation of like being 
I learned like how to analyze things and I'm a really good writer, yeah. not a creative writer. Let's be clear. I'm a good professional writer. Uh, but so, I mean, those things, those skills have really gotten me where I am in my career. And so it was a great major oh, yeah. for me. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Someone that spent her childhood reading a lot too. And it seems like that. Why not? Yeah. Very. But I think it's like, it's interesting. Cause I, when I was young, I was like, Oh, I want to be a writer. I want to write novels. But at some point in my life, I realized that I am not, I don't have a creative mind. Yeah. I'm not necessarily the person that's creating the content. I'm like, I, I thought about doing like editing. Uh, that was one possible path that I was thinking about, but yeah. ultimately I didn't go down that one, but what a off subject, but I was just thinking about this. What's your relationship like with your younger brother at, at that point? Cause you guys five years, he, you guys were never in school together. Um, yeah, my younger brother Two and I. Existences we under yeah, the same roof. <laughs> we did not have a lot of in common either. We still don't have a lot in common. We're quite different, uh, so we didn't have a strong relationship. But again, like we didn't have a bad relationship. Yeah. We just, I was busy too doing all my library activities and whatever else. So <laughs> all your library karaoke. Yeah, my robotics. So I mean, I was doing those things. So I we didn't have much of a relationship, but it wasn't bad. It's just not. Yeah, he is a lot younger. I don't. I don't have a lot of significant memories of us spending time together. One time, I took him to Frankenmuth to dinner when I was, because I started working at a young age. I was working, but when I was fourteen too. Where'd you start working? I started working at a Christmas store. Yes. That was Christmas all year round. In Lake Orion, Bronner's. Yep. No, it was called Always Christmas. Is that Very what it's called now? Named. Is that still Bronner's there? is in Frankenmuth and is a much superior yeah, version yeah, yeah, of the yeah. store that but I worked there was, at. Huh, is the one in Lake Orion still there? Yeah. It's a much smaller now because it's in this huge complex and the church is now, a church is now renting it out. So they moved the Christmas store to a very uh, small portion. The, so the demand for Christmas stuff throughout the year just plummeted. I mean, it was truly, <laughs> it was truly horrible most of the time. But I mean, I think that. Do they play Christmas music in there? Oh yeah, all year round. Oh my God. But shockingly, it has not, um dampen my love for christmas which is still my if anything i'm just still i'm like even more of a christmas fan now i really double down on the holiday because season. of that job maybe <laughs> it's hard to say I'm, I'm just like uh i'm wondering if that job has caused any former employees to just give up on life it was horrible i mean like i would in the summer i mean there was nobody there you just sit there all day doing nothing yeah well looking back at Childhood, high school, college, like what, what are some of the challenges? Uh, I mean, you said you don't really think you faced any adversities, but you know, every, even if it's, uh, you know, not, it doesn't have to be trauma to be a, <laughs> a challenge that you have to overcome in that period of your life. Um, well, I mean, uh, challenges, <laughs> that's a good way. I mean, I think just like the challenges, I guess, I guess one thing I'd say maybe is self-esteem. Yeah. I mean, as an overweight individual, it's like I think that probably impacted me. I think I was always like on the defensive, just making sure that like I was nobody was making fun of me or, you know, that I were you like expecting them to. I think so. Yeah. Or, I mean, I think. Was that happening? Like, were you being bullied no. or anything? No. You're no, just I wasn't. Kind of thought that was going to happen. I think, yeah, I was just always making sure it's like eat or be eaten. It's like I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to be yeah. that person that was at the bottom. And then. So I think that probably was a challenge, but like I said, I was never bullied. Um, yeah, that's interesting that you created that defense mechanism without being put into the defensive. I can't talk, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> I think I was always I was always very aware of it, and certainly at it, most of my eight, my years of now, I can talk about it sort of openly, where yeah. I can say like, "Yeah, I'm fat. Like it's fine. Like you know what I'm saying." But yeah. I think back then, I certainly couldn't. It was like I was trying very hard to make sure no one was paying attention to that side of me. And and that's fine. I mean, it was – but it, like I said, it wasn't a a problem. I never – you know, luckily, I never had a, any issues with it. Yeah. But I think it was something on my mind, certainly. Yeah. Um, other challenges. I was thinking about mm, – you're going to want to cut this out. But, like, <laughs> I thought about some moments that impacted me a lot as I was when I was young. Go on. <laughs> Not really challenges, but like one specific moment I remember is I, so about books. I can remember like specific books yeah. that really impacted 
me and I can remember like how they impacted me very specifically. So when I was in high school, I read um, Tuesdays with Maury. Oh yeah. And now I can't remember what that book was about. I don't remember. I mean, and I don't know if it was a particularly good book, but I remember that it made me profoundly change the way I interact with my family and specifically my grandparents. And I think at that point I was kind of being like a sullen teenager. I didn't want to spend time with them. And after I read that book, I was like, I, I need to embrace my relationship with my grandparents yeah. as opposed to run from it. And so I made an effort to spend as much time as I could with them. And as a result of that, I now have a really close relationship with both of my, well, my grandpa has now died, but it's so, I'm so happy because I was able to have a lifetime. You created a more valuable, more valuable yeah. relationship with them. I wonder if that, like I, I'm, creating my own narrative here but i'm wondering if the, if your anxiety played into that because isn't that like i'm pretty sure that's like maury's dying and and the guy's stopping by on tuesdays in re- hank azaria in the made for tv movie i believe <laughs> um and i wonder if part of that was like oh shit my grandparents are gonna die oh i'm I sure to, like... i was like oh man they are old and like they won't be here for so long and at the time they were 50 i'm a I'm brat just... <laughs> like why am i being such a brat you know and so yeah. i think it just made me, and I think it even impacted my relationship, like with my my parents and my family. Because even after that, like my grandparents had a cabin up north, and that's what I remember. I never wanted to go, but after that, I was like, I would love to go, yeah. and I would love to sit here and play cards with you all night. And you know, of course, my other family's there too, and so I think that's it's just solidifying those bonds as well. And so I remember that being like a really impactful like moment for me that I, I look back on and I'm like, I'm so glad that I read that book at that moment in my yeah. life. Well, that's pretty impressive to get that perspective as a teenager. I don't know if I've had that perspective. Well, you mean that I changed my, yeah. To read that book and be like, I need to like hang out with my family more. I've always been like that. Like I'm always, I'm very, I'm very self-aware. I'm very able to quality. like look at myself and say, wow, I don't love how I acted in that moment. And I'm going to change how I act going forward, yeah. I think. And so I've always been like that. I'm still like that. I'm constantly. Do you ever overestimate and, and change when you shouldn't have? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I've <laughs> never thought about it. I'm sure there are times when. But I think I'm pretty. Well, obviously, the older I get, the more wise I am. Yeah. And the more I can think. Well, I think about it in extremes because I. I... <laughs> And my therapist will always call me out on this. She's like, it's not one or the other, Justin. There's a fucking gray area. Uh, but yeah, I'm thinking like, I've, I've done that where I'll, something will happen. And so I'll correct in the opposite direction. Right, or you like, overcorrect. Oh, I guess I could have just improved this a little bit. I didn't have to go to the whole other side there. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just giving all my own shit on. <laughs> well, I think sometimes maybe it's like, I think there are things that I know about myself that I'm not our weaknesses but then i'm sure there's a plethora of other things that i don't are my blind spot that i'm not correcting when i maybe i should but i certainly try to i've always been like that where i i kind of can see my weaknesses but on the other hand i also have been someone i can see my strengths really well and so that i think gives me a lot of confidence that a lot of people don't have yeah and so that i've been really as a confident person i've been really lucky in that too and another moment i remember in high school, somebody, or I, maybe this was even in middle school, but they said, you know, write your name out and you have to think of an ad- a positive adjective for every letter of your name. And I remember... Did you do your full name? And my full name is long, eight letters, yeah. plus my last name is long, which is seven letters. And I remember thinking about this task and thinking, this is impossible. I cannot possibly think of 13... <laughs> Don't call my math there. That's going to be... Anyway, no, it's more than that. It's 15. Oh, I loved it. Um, 15 positive things about myself. That's crazy. And then I remember thinking, no, what's crazy is that you can't think of 15 good things about yourself. Yeah. And I then I remember I sat there and I was like, wow, well, I'm funny and I'm smart and I'm this and I'm that. And instead of tearing myself down, I kind of built myself up. And I think ever since then... I have tried to focus on my strengths as opposed to focus on my weaknesses, yeah. which has served me well in life as well. Cause it does give me, you know, confidence, but yeah, I think it comes through in like your career choice and, and how you speak and your personality in general. I think confidence yeah. is, a, is a good word to throw behind that. Hey, you guys, it is sober October. Who's excited about that? I am. 
I am because I don't drink. What I do drink is really awesome, high-quality craft beer in the non-alcoholic realm. And it's amazing what is out there, and it keeps getting better and better. This year, there is Oktoberfest beers available from multiple breweries. The market in, in non-alcoholic beer is growing exponentially. And one that sticks out to me that I want to mention for this episode is Bravis Brewing Company. They're out of California. They are one of the people that have Oktoberfest uh, this season, as well as all their flagship beers, IPA, Amber, Oatmeal Stout. Ooh, Christmas is coming. They have a barrel-aged maple stout. Mmm, it's very expensive, <laughs> but it's very tasty. So check them out at bravas.com, and you can use code FRIENDREQUEST to save 10%. So jump on the bandwagon with Sober October and try out some really awesome non-alcoholic craft beer at bravas.com and use code friend request. All right, back to the episode. But I also also know to fake it until I make it. And so I I learned at a young age as well that I need to act really confident in most situations. Where'd you learn that from? <laughs> I remember, I will say at least one, I was a camp counselor for a while. And I remember yes. <laughs> you had to show your permit when you went into the park. Okay. And one day I forgot my permit and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to act like I'm good. And I like... Drove in, waved to the lady, kept driving, and no one said anything. And I was like, wow, well, if you just act like you belong somewhere, most of the time, no one is going to question you. We had different experiences. I used to use that same (laughs) method to buy cigarettes before I could. (laughs) Uh, Right. That's what you have to do. I mean, you just have to act really confident. And so I think I do that still to this day, like in my career, even if I feel like I don't know what I'm doing, I just go in there and act like I know exactly what I'm doing. And you know, 95% of the time it works great. Yeah. yeah. That's a, it's, it's, a, it's a tried and true method for, for a lot of people. Um, I'm curious to know another book. I liked, I, uh, what that you, uh, I've have, got a couple more examples. Your life. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess I'll say Impacted. one thing <laughs> I will say, I like to self-describe and people, I hope I don't come off as cocky, but I'm just confident, but as a, like a really strong female and I, I don't know where I got, I I mean, I definitely know that like I'm surrounded by strong females in my life and that's, but I remember as a book, my favorite book series was this like fantasy book series about a woman who disguised herself and became, it was like a fantasy series. So a knight in like a Uh kind of medieval setting. I thought you were going to describe Tootsie in a second. No, no. (laughs) And then she went on to have this like amazing career where she came out as a woman and she was like a knight and it was, and I, I just think that book for for sure i think that impacted me is like no you can do anything even if you are a woman it doesn't matter yeah and i think reading that at such a young age and having that be my i mean i read it like six times you know i'm sure that impacted me and my confidence level going forward you know i never thought twice about yeah (laughs) whether i belong somewhere well you said you were surrounded by strong women what did that what's that look like? well i think my grandma i think is someone that i i look up to she's very um, you know, she's strong willed and she'll tell you exactly what she wants and she's not, you know, and I think she had a life where she didn't have a lot of choices. I mean, at her that generation for yeah, sure, <laughs> that generation, I mean, she had to her, she got married and had kids and then her husband died and she, she pretty much had to remarry. I mean, she didn't have a lot of options and I think that she, you know, I think she probably wouldn't have married if she didn't have to. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I don't know. So I think, and she's, she's open and she's, she's just a really strong um, example. I mean, like I'm someone who's very direct yeah. and so is she. And so I got some of those qualities from her where, you know, you're not going to take anyone's shit. Kind of a role model. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously my mom was raised by her. So I think she's similar she's a lot more like emotional so she'll tell you that she's not going to take your shit but then she'll go cry in the bathroom <laughs> um so then so, so know certainly the <laughs> you know certainly those my mom and my grandma were strong that's awesome females yeah and so not yeah you go to U of M directly to Cooley are you did we meet when you first started Cooley did you I was in Cooley I was in school at law school, I started working at Best Buy in law school. Okay. It's like a part-time job was. Yeah. 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 Good times. <laughs> it was. It was a good job. You know, I liked working retail. Sometimes I miss it. Yeah. Uh, I, have, I have my qualms, but overall. <laughs> my favorite thing about Best Buy was that I was in law school and it was hard. 
And Best Buy was just, it was, I was good at Best Buy. So it felt like I could go somewhere and everyone was like, wow, you do a great job of customer service. Like, thank you. And then I go to law school. I was like, wow, you're terrible. So it's just like, (laughs) it was like a, (laughs) at least I was doing one thing right, you know. So I take it law school was much more challenging than originally maybe anticipated well no yeah, i mean what, it well, wasn't that you with an, you get you get an english communications degree where you where are you like oh, i'm gonna go to law school well i think that the thing with law school is you can really do any major so a lot of people do like poli sci or yeah. history but english is another popular one because of the writing background because law has a lot of writing did you have an end game by like picking a law school like where you, you want to be a lawyer i want to be this i want to like i want to be a lawyer yep i think so in undergrad, I got very involved with a sexual assault prevention and awareness center on our campus. Okay. I was very involved there. And I did a lot of... So I think in law school or in undergrad, I kind of came up with this plan that I was going to um, become a lawyer and work in like family justice yeah. and help women that were in domestic violence situations. What um, drove you to that? You know, Justin, that's so great a question. But pretty much, I mean, I think I am so, I am always been an empathetic person that wants to help others. And so, I mean, I I wish I had a a good reason, but I think I just was like, man, that's a good reason. Domestic violence is terrible. And I mean, even to this day, I think uh, it's just how terrible it must be to not feel safe in your own home. Yeah. And so I, I guess I just started doing it and then. Was I was passionate about before I went in, but then I got even more passionate the more stories I heard and the oh, more sure, yeah. I did it. And I thought, I mean, I, in law, in, in college, I didn't know exactly what I'd do. So I considered a lot of, I mentioned editing. I thought about social work. I, I mean, I think I knew I wanted to, I think I knew I wanted to work in public service. Um, and so I was, I was considering a lot of different options, but I've always been, I guess, I think even from a young age, like I hated cheating. I always had a very strong sense of justice and right and wrong. And I have a really like kind of my mind thinks very black and white, you know, it's like very rule based. So now that I've kind of gotten to the other side, I think it was the best choice for me. Hmm. Law school. I think just the way my brain works. Um, So that's kind of what was driving me going to school. And I picked Cooley because they gave me pretty much a hundred percent scholarship. And so nice. You know, at that point, I had racked up a bunch of student debt, and so might as well go somewhere that's yeah. going to be a little less expensive. Yeah, a lot less expensive. <laughs> Especially because at that point, I probably knew that I would be working in the public sector and not making a lot. Yeah. And How'd you get that scholarship? They had a scholarship with those based on your GPA and I think your um, your LSAT scores, which nice. is the entrance exam. Yeah. The LSATs, so, the, the kids call LSAT, it. Yeah. <laughs> And so, I mean, like I said, I was, I was a nerd, so I had good grades and, you know, so that was based on that scale that they had. Yeah. And so then, and it was by my parents so I could live at home. And so that was What was that like moving back home after U of M? It was fine. I mean, I just get, I guess if you met my parents, you'd understand, but they are just so (laughs) nice and great. Like I would rather, because I've then since law school, I've lived with roommates and other various things. And I would rather live with my parents than any roommates. I mean, we get along great. They don't ask me where I'm going. Yeah. They only need to check in so they know I'm not dead. You're still alive, Corey. But you all, I'm like a pretty good per, like kid, too. So I don't think they're that worried about yeah. me. But it really was fine living at home. I mean. That's good. Didn't have any problems. With I didn't mean that in. as a leading question. I no, I think curious. a lot of people. I mean, I know tons of friends that are like, I cannot live with my parents. Yeah, I'm one of them. <laughs> but my parents, and I don't know how else to describe it other than like, I mean, it's like I get home after you know going to school all day and working or whatever. And my mom would be like, Do you want me to make you a sandwich? How's your day? Oh, you don't want to talk? That's fine. Just go in your room. I mean, she just. That's great. They're just so nice. I mean. Yeah, that's yeah, the dream right there. It is. So, she, it was it was fine moving back home, and it was a good. It was fine living there, and if I had to move out, because now I live with my husband, and that's obviously great. But if I had to move out again, I'd move back with my parents, one hundred percent. So, well, you said you said uh, law school was difficult, which I mean, I guess sounds like the most redundant, stupid statement in the world. But yeah, it was difficult. But I will say, like, I mean, I don't think I don't want anyone to think I'm saying it, it was so hard that, but it was hard. I mean, I I have always been someone I it doesn't come natural to me. 
I have to work. I mean, in high, yeah. in high school, I had to work. In college, I had to work for it. And in law it seems school, like you enjoy that to some degree. I do. Though. I mean, I, you, you see the reward. I love studying. I mean, I was, I'm a great, I'm a great studier. (laughs) Like there's nothing I can do better than like study for a class and ace an exam. Spiral notebook and some tabs. You want me to write a paper? No problem. (laughs) You know, so I do think I like school and I think I would have probably stayed in school forever if I could have, but I didn't seek one of those academic routes. Oh, you don't have to. I've been in school for fucking 12 years. (laughs) Just keep going. Um, (laughs) I still sometimes look, I'll look at like community college classes just because I think, oh, wouldn't it be fun to go? I wish people took, I I wish more people just were like, I'm going to take a class this semester. Because like I took, uh, let's see, tangents. I told you, tangents. But I took a a history of Michigan class at OCC. And to this day, it's it's in my probably like top three classes I've ever taken, because, and obviously if you're not from Michigan, maybe if you have like a general interest in the history of the U.S. state by state, maybe mm-hmm. it'd be a good class. But like being someone that, uh, you know, born and raised in Michigan, you you learn about its founding and the different tribes that were here and the shit show of of the hub spoke design of Detroit and like all this stuff, and it's just like. Yeah, if I wasn't in school, I would still have loved to be in this class because right. it's just so cool. And I like, like, I like learning about that stuff too. Um, I like learning. I just, I think I just like learning. I do too. Unless it's something I'm required to learn. <laughs> like, if it's uh, like, well, you have to take this science class. I'm like, but I don't want to take that science class. <laughs> well, and science is terrible. No, I mean, I think there are some classes I don't like to take, but I do, I do like school, and I always think I, I could see myself taking a community college class or I think about like getting my master's in English. I mean, I don't know. I yeah. just think about all kinds. I'm probably not going to do any of that, but it's I think never about too late it. to get your master's. Well, look at more, this guy. It's more like just for fun. Like, Oh, yeah. I don't need a master's in English, but that would be fun. Yeah. But I should, then I probably, but of course not all that would be fun. Cause in the middle of it, I'd be like, man, this is really hard. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't remember what I was talking about with that but i always had to try hard and so law school was hard but it was it was manageable hard for me um did you have a more uh or like a more focused idea on what you wanted to do for a career by the time you got out of there oh i definitely was planning on doing the domestic violence family okay um plan that was my plan all throughout law school and i i did um i mean i part of my law school experience was working in a clinic which helped domestic violence survivors. And I, by that point I realized that you really had to make connections. So I mean, I made like contacts in that area. I became really close still to this day. My mentor is like uh, one of the professors that I met there that was really involved with that kind of area of law. Networking. Yeah. In that way. I mean, good. It's good as anyone can be because networking is terrible, but I, I don't have, some people like a family of lawyers. I don't have a family of lawyers. So I made sure in law school that I was making contacts within law school to make sure that I could, to propel me forward in my career because I knew I was going to need that. Um, Well, my, when I say networking too, my idea, because, and I asked this because I struggle with this um, or doing it right, I guess, but it's just like, yeah, making those initial contacts and then like figuring out what the appropriate time and forum is like almost like dating right like yeah how often do i follow up with them just to make sure i'm always on their radar mm-hmm. in case like you know the next step comes up or whatever that looks like um but it sounds like you that's what you were doing for sure i was doing that yeah i mean if it was like so yeah because you're in school now i mean i would go to all the office hours for my professors even if i really didn't need anything just hey to guys. not all of them but i <laughs> wanted to make sure they knew me yeah. because then even if they thought I was really annoying, I mean, then I could get a letter of recommendation from them that was more than just like, yeah, they were my class. It was like, a, yeah. I know who she is yeah. and she... She would not stop coming to <laughs> And I wouldn't do it with all of them, but ones that I thought yeah, yeah. would serve me greatly. And one of my professors was a family law lawyer, and I remember I spoke to him a lot, and then I got an internship with his firm, mm-hmm. and then I still see him like out and about, and he still speaks really highly of me. And so it's, it's like things like that. I would, I did make a, a point to do that, even though it put me out of my comfort zone. But it, yeah. I knew that I needed to do that. But that's, I mean, that's impressive. Well, most people don't know to do that, mm-hmm. you know. And you are, you really are, uh, and excuse the metaphor, but just like planting seeds that you. I mean, I would guess by your career path so far, have been able to go back and pick some from and like 
you also probably have, if you had to have a fallback plan, I imagine you have 10 fallback plans. <laughs> I do. I try. And uh, then, but part of the reason I knew to do it was because in undergrad, I didn't do that. And yeah. so then applying to law school is like, oh, you need three letters of recommendation. Well, you know, my professors didn't know me that well. Yeah. And so I had to, I had to work harder. So then in, you know, in law school, I wanted to make sure I was on a different, I was doing those things that I maybe didn't do as well in undergrad. Yeah. I imagine law school being very time consuming. <laughs> um, and obviously you were working part-time at Best Buy, mm-hmm. the good old days. Uh, what What is the other, how are you filling the bucket of like personal social life during all that time? Oh, well, you know, I made a lot of new friends at Best Buy. That's true. <laughs> but And I had a lot of friends in law school and I, I will say I wasn't, there were a lot of people in law school that were really involved in the extracurricular activities at law school. And I did not do much. What of are that. the extracurricular activities at law school? I mean, there was like a student bar association mm-hmm. and, you know, you had like clubs, I guess you would say like some more, like, I mean, like Just the get together and talk about law, like, like the Republican lawyers and the Democrat lawyers and the black lawyers and the. I don't think there was a white lawyers. I really wasn't a white lawyers club, but there was a lot of that thing, that kind of thing happening. And I didn't really partake in any of that because I didn't have a lot of time. Yeah. Um, but I had, I mean, like I said, my friends, I had a lot of friends still that were in the area. So I kept in contact with all of those friends. I mean, I will say I wasn't really dating much if at all during those times. Like I was pretty focused on school and career. And so you said you got a job right out of it. Right out of school. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember. I pa- I graduated law school, and then you have to take the bar. Pretty much, you study for the bar for two months. Yeah. And it's like that is they say don't work, don't do anything, just study for the bar because you want to pass it the first time, which is what I did. I treated it like you know a more than full time job, and I studied every day, and I took the bar. And then I remember, I then got horribly sick, like for like a week. I had like the flu. <laughs> And I think it's just, it's an amazing testament to how your body knows, like, it cannot shut down. Like, it had to make it through the bar. And then, like, the next day, it just, like, crashed. Because it's like, yeah, we're done. And then I, like, I think I got sick. And then a week later, I got a job. I got a job offer to start before I even passed the bar. Nice. And I started working for the court, for the government. And I was doing research. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that was a great first job, research and writing. I just sat there in an office all day writing. Do you feel like your schedule calmed down a little bit at that point? Yeah, I think there's a period of time when I wasn't at work, I didn't have, there was nothing I had to do. I didn't have to study. I didn't have any obligations. So at that point, you're like, oh man, I need some hobbies, no. right? I need to get a hobby because now I have time after work that I don't have to be studying. Did you find a hobby? <laughs> I've experimented with lots of hobbies, but Ooh. I definitely have hobbies now. Yeah, Let me, give me give me a, a a least favorite, worst idea hobby, and and something that you you enjoy the most. Oh man, I don't know if I can remember the least favorite, worst idea. Oh well, I did take up running for a period of time. How was that? Which was life ruining. Yeah, so. running is just the worst. Just terrible. Why do so, people do it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why people do it. And I I will never run again. And that's a whole story. So people don't. If you're a runner, it's great. If you try to, if you're fat your whole life. Life, and then you decide to take up running at age 30. What was the it's not going to go that? well? I don't, I think, well, I started uh, working out a lot. And then. Did something like, yeah, because I saw like Instagram and stuff on that. Like, I got really into working out. Really, I was trying to lose weight. And then I was like, oh man, the thing is, running is like the best bang for your buck when you're trying to lose weight because you're going to burn so many calories. Yeah. And so then I started running a lot. And then. I did a half marathon and then, yeah, then I developed a back issue that basically made it so I couldn't walk because every time I stood up, there was like, so then I had a period of like two years where I couldn't really walk and I was going to a variety of doctors that were not super helpful. I finally went to an orthopedic doctor who was like, okay, well you can do surgery. They said, we can't really figure out what's wrong, but we can do surgery and see if it works. And he said, so you either have to decide whether you can live with this pain or whether you want to try surgery and see if it works. And I said, I absolutely cannot live like this. I'm 30 and I can't walk. And so I had the surgery and they said, and it ended up being a cyst on my spine that was not showing up in the MRI. 
And so I have never felt more validated in my life than waking up from that surgery yeah. and that guy being like, yeah, there was an enormous cyst. And it was like, he was like, your nerves were purple and they should be white. And so, and then after that it was like a switch, I mean, I was fine. My wow. back was totally fine, but I decided, and I, I don't think that cyst was necessarily caused from running, but I will not run again because it caused me to, it just caused a big injury. And like I said, I just don't think I'm not a runner. Like I, yeah. I just decided to take up this really intense running hobby that I didn't enjoy at all. I mean, I would like cry. Yeah. That's what I was trying to figure out. Running. Like why, what was the, I mean, where was the motivating factor behind doing something you weren't enjoying to, to, I mean, I guess if I'm being honest about it, I was trying to lose weight so I could find a boyfriend. Yeah. I mean, if, if I had to have like the most basic, I'd like to say it was like so I could be healthy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would want to say, but yeah. I don't know if that's. And I did eventually meet my husband, and that was great. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, he loves me for who I am. Yeah. Which I'm so grateful for because he doesn't. Yeah, you guys are adorable together. Yeah. Um, so, and so that's the thing. I mean, I didn't, that motivation didn't need to be there, but I think that probably was my motivation if I'm really being honest with myself. So that was my worst hobby that I took up. <laughs> In terms of, (laughs) it just was not fun. I didn't love it. Um, I don't blame you. Yeah. Favorite hobby you've taken up that I hope you still do? (laughs) I do. And this is due in large part to my husband, but we are big board gamers. Yes. We play a lot of board games. We have This was made very apparent at your wedding. (laughs) We have like over 100 board games at home. We go to board game conventions. Uh, My husband is from Wisconsin and he moved to Michigan knowing virtually no one. Yeah. And so then we met and it's, it actually works out so great because I have tons of friends and he didn't have any friends here. And so he, I was able to kind of bring him into my friend group. And now we, I mean, we have all of my friends now game. Like we play, we have board game nights with everybody. You were board game people before (laughs) you met Brian. I was like dabbling in board games, surely. Like I had played some of the, I was like on the edge. Let's remember when, when Lee and Steve lived next to us, like when we would get together, it was always for, for games. And, and I feel like just generally speaking, I seem like um, a board game player. No, Uh, I was going to say the, (laughs) like the, the board game. I mean, some things it's funny to call them board games. There's definitely no board involved. Um, but just like has taken off the last like seven to 10 years. Mm-hmm. Like you think of, of some of the, like the what's happened with like settlers of Catan and, mm-hmm. and uh, 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 code names uh, yep. and like all these, all these games that like, you know, were funded by Kickstarter and stuff. And now that everybody has them and you think of like cards against humanity and mm-hmm. like all this stuff. And so it's such a, if you embrace it the way I feel like you and Brian do, like you can find so many fun things. It's amazing. I mean, I think it's like settlers and code names is like such, it's like, that's like the starter pack. Yeah. I mean, and that's where I was when I met Brian. I mean, I had played settlers. Game. I loved it. I played some other games. I love them. I loved games, but I mean, I had no idea the expansive universe of board games. I mean, and so now we are very, we are very into it and yeah. we play a lot of games and we play, we've gotten a lot of people into the board games and we spend a lot of our time playing board and I love it. I mean, we really do love it. It gets intimidating. In it. Yeah. Like, uh, I was out, I was visiting Robert in Minneapolis mm-hmm. and we found a Fallout 4 <gasps> that game board is game. So you know it. Okay. I know it. I've not played it, but I know it, it and is, I think yeah, it's intense. It is. There is a lot going on. It took us... I was there in town for like four or five days, and I think it took us most of that time to figure out how to play. (laughs) And, you know, it's – okay, my tips for new board gamers, because they even have board games you can rent the library now. Like, our library rents board games. It's amazing. And Target has a great selection, so but if you're losing pieces, <laughs> if you're a new, they would never know. I mean, some of these games, that's like why I would be worried. Pieces. Uh, you know, I think it can be really intimidating. I think it can be hard to learn. So you could play with a friend. If you want to play with me, I'll teach you the rules. But if you don't want to do that, um, we like YouTube videos. There are tons oh, of, you just yeah. do how to play fallout. Yeah. You can watch a YouTube video on how to play. And so we watch those a lot for new games that are complicated i just watched one the other day so we do that a lot and then the the local game stores there's a lot around at least in our area in michigan um they also will have like game 
where you can go learn to play. I mean, less due to COVID, but it's kind of coming back. So you could go play games uh, there. And sometimes they have, you can actually go and try the games there. Like they have yeah. try or games. I love board games. games. I, I have a lot of fun with it. It's just funny how much that's taken off. And would I mean, as someone that's super into it now, would you attribute a lot of that like to like Kickstarter and stuff to where all these people come up with the idea and they get to I think it? so. I mean, there's a lot of Kickstarter games that are great. We don't do as many of the Kickstarter, but some of our favorite games I know have gotten started on Kickstarter. Yeah. And then I think just like the board game community in general is strong. Once you know about them, like then you know all the like now that I'm on all the Facebook groups and I go to the conventions, it's like I know about all the the new games and yeah. all the what's available. And so, and I I do think it's it's amazing. I think it's great because like you see, it's more mainstream. Like at Target, carrying you know games and people getting more into it. And um, yeah, I think it's really fun. Of, there's a lot of games at Target now. There are a lot well, of games at Target I, now, and sorry, I don't even get my. Cards Against Humanity expansions shipped to me anymore. I just got to Target. <laughs> yeah, and Kickstarter is amazing. I think stuff like that. Um, some of the Kickstarter products are just so such high quality to some of the games. Yeah. I mean, do you want to tell me how you met Brian? Sure. I don't even think I know this story. Well, it's very easy. It's online. It's, yeah. <laughs> we met online, On and a board I guess game for him. <laughs> the thing I will say about our meeting is that. On his profile, I was not interested at all. I was like, man, I this guy does not sound like someone I will like. He was in the military. He, I don't know, there was, he said he was into games, which I assume meant video games. And I, but I, I had heard someone say you have to date like, you have to go on like 200 online dates before you meet someone you like. So I was like, well, he lives like Orion. That's pretty easy for me. So might as well get one of these 200 out the door. And then, you know, the second I met him, he's just so kind yeah. and like excited by everything. And it's just, I just would never have expected that. So that's just what I tell my friends that are still like online dating. It's like, you just don't want to rule anyone out because yeah. even though I didn't think I would like Brian. Oh, and I remember another thing was, I mean, he didn't go to college. Like we were just a lot different. Yeah. So I just always thought, not that I have anything against someone that didn't go to college, but just that we wouldn't have a lot in common. We had such different life trajectories, but it just couldn't have been farther from the truth. I was so wrong about what I thought I wanted. And I mean, Brian and I get along. I think we're very, we're very similar and, and we get along great. So it's pretty, pretty, it was pretty immediate. I think we both really liked each other right away yeah. and it's just been really easy between us ever since then. So we've known each other now for, I think about five years, we've been married for almost two yeah, that's so... Six years. I don't know. How is it uh, getting married and then a pandemic starting five months later? <laughs> oh, it was fine. You know, I think part of the thing is Brian and I got married late in life. So we were yeah. really, we really knew who established we were. Established as a person. Yeah. And we were really, we knew we wanted, we were really established and it was not hard for us to, we're very similar. We didn't, it was not hard for us to combine our lives. And so... I felt like getting married didn't feel like a huge change. It was, I mean, I loved it, but I think we were pretty much just kept going with our normal life. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit. It was harder for Brian than me. I'm an introvert. And I will say, like, I'm one of the You're few like, people awesome. that just thrived. You know what's funny? You say few, but <laughs> I, uh, I actually think, like, it's. It might be a, there's a few people that were really negatively affected. But it's like, I, I've discussed this on, on this show a bunch of times with people because, you know, I've been doing all the Zoom interviews and stuff. And it seems like unless you, like you or a family member, loved one was mm -hmm. directly affected, like health wise, or obviously you lost your job or something like, right. yeah, a lot of people had really shitty, shitty circumstances. Absolutely. But unless you were directly involved with one of those shitty circumstances, things have been pretty good. And it's yeah. it's not it's difficult to say that because there are a lot of people that went through mm -hmm. a lot of bad shit. But like, yeah, I've I've been able to uh, you know I really enjoy this time. I did so much work on myself, and like mm -hmm. uh, I think it forced a lot of people to do that. And that's why I kind of like jokingly ask about your your marriage because you hear about all the marriages and couples that like ended everything because of COVID. They're like, this was a bad idea. So going into that like as newlyweds, it's almost comical, but. Yeah, uh, we were fine. We we loved it. We played a lot of board games, watched a lot of TV together. We yeah. didn't have any, but also I think we we 
Brian worked the whole time. He his job. Yeah. He cannot do in in online, so he pretty much worked the whole time, and I think that was really good for us because we still had that that boundary there. That boundary there, yeah. and his schedule was still our schedule stayed very similar. So in that kind of way, our lives, what we did on the weekends changed a lot, how we spent our time outside of work, but yeah. it was, it didn't change that much for us in terms of our day to day. I think that, that brings us current. <laughs> I mean, is yeah. there anything I skipped over that you want to talk about that I, I missed? No. Around. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, one thing, well, I guess one thing I wanted to say was something else that kind of impacted me greatly yes. was when I was in college, I took a training on empathy. And that training, I think, really changed a lot for me in terms of how I interact with people and where my career path went and just learning uh, kind of about empathy and how to exercise that. And I think it changed how I interact with, like, friends and my family. And it certainly changed how I – my career Um, and what I do now. And we don't have to get into my career, but I do – I help people. Yeah. Um, well, and I, I mean, I'll say anything with children and family systems, I imagine empathy goes a long way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I think, I mean, that certainly, that training and just empathy in general was, is just something that really changed me as well. And I think it was really impactful. And so I'd really, I think people should, I try to do empathy trainings for lawyers. <laughs> well, I'm curious about that because, uh, you know, there, there's a school of thought where people think that empathy can't really be taught. Um, so, so what, I mean, what would you say to that? I think that's probably true because there are certain people who are like empaths who really feel other people's emotions. I think of empathy, the empathy training, I guess I'm talking about is more like if somebody's telling, if somebody is, um, disclosing to you something traumatic that's happened to them or they're in crisis, you know, and how you respond to them in those moments. And I think, I mean, that's how, yeah, that's how I view empathy. That's what I think. And so I think you can train people to say like, if this is if somebody is disclosing these things to you, here are things that are helpful to say, and here are things that are hurtful to say or would hurt. Yeah. And so I think that kind of thing can be trained and kind of training my mind to have those interactions with people where you let people share and it, you don't make it about you and you don't you really put the focus on them and you can let them share in a safe way. I think that that's an important thing that yeah. changed how I interact with pretty much all people. Yeah, I wish that was a required i think course. it should be i think everybody should you know i think a lot of people don't know how to communicate with people and yeah. so i think well that's i think about the last thing. like year and a half i'm like oh if, if only that was something that everybody took and certainly some t- some parts of empathy probably can't be taught some people just are very self-involved and probably can't see they're called assholes yeah they're assholes <laughs> but i cannot so that was my other thing i was like man that was a big moment in my life too yeah. i think well, I think you I had think a third to book, that. too. Can I put you on the spot? Do you remember oh, yeah. what it was? Well, I do. And I don't know that this is probably just more of a book Harry Potter. plug. <laughs> I mean, Harry Potter is an amazing I book. Knew, and I I've had, trip you up with Harry Potter. <laughs> I've had many amazing experiences with Harry Potter because um, I've read them at least three times in all of them. I think the amazing thing about books for me is that you and I can both read a book and it's it will hit each of us in a oh, different yeah. way. And you can read a book. I can read a book five years ago and then read it now. And it will impact me in a different way. And I read this book a few years ago called Eleanor and Park. And it's about two teenagers, two kind of, I guess, misfit teenagers. And one's, um, I think one was LGBTQ. And I mean, that book hit me really profoundly too. And I was like, man, that was amazing. And I just, I remember it just being really impactful to me. And then, I try. I reread it a few years later, and it was like, oh, this book is just okay. But I think it was just like it was what I needed in that time. Yeah, yeah. And it was really. I remember just being so moved by it. And then, and I. So I think it just sometimes it just depends when you read it. You ever catch yourself point. in that, and then question your recommendations? Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's that's what that made me think. I was like, yeah, I've revisited some things where I'm like. Oh, I recommended this to so many people. This isn't that great. <laughs> well, I think I qualify it sometimes too. It's like, man, this book I loved, but I also was in a really, like maybe like a really vulnerable time where yeah. I needed this story and it just might not hit the same way another another time of your life. And so mm-hmm. I think, you know, if you're, if I'm going through like a really anxious period where I have a lot of anxiety, then, you know, some epic fantasy that really pulls me out of my life is going to hit me 
yeah. a lot better than some memoir about someone who's going through a lot. Like that's going to be harder to read during those periods. So I think it's, so that was the other book that I just remember. And I guess I don't have a, it didn't change my, the structure of my life, but I just remember being so moved by that book and then reading it again two years later and being like, huh, that's, it was okay. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I want to mention this before we finish. Cause I, I, I've, talked about anxiety on the show like a billion fucking times right i've had multiple Mm -hmm. therapists on specifically to discuss that topic and i've never heard someone using uh books as as kind of like a coping mechanism or kind of like an escapism but but it it calms you down you said Mm -hmm. right like that's uh and that's fascinating to me i think i want to just point that out because that's that's really cool and it just goes to show that like um it shows up in so many different ways for so many different people. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's important to find that thing that's just right for you, you know, cause there's so many generic answers. And uh, like when people say like meditation, like sometimes meditation, sometimes reading is meditation. Like it's, that is different for each person. And, and that's really cool that you found a method that works for you in, in reading. I just wanted to point that out. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I think it is really cool because cool. <laughs> I think some of those methods definitely don't work for me. So yeah. <laughs> reading is something that does work for me Yeah, and sleeping, reading and sleeping. I'm a I'm big fan of sleeping. <laughs> big fan of just like over the counter sleeping pills. I don't know why we don't all just nice. Self-medicate. <laughs> we got We got some z and melatonin upstairs. Yes, uh, I just, <laughs> uh, nothing a good sleep won't fix. That's what I say. There you go. Well, I'm, I'm good. Are you good? Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Corey. You're welcome. I'm so glad it's you're so here. Good to see you. And you're and you're across from me and not on a. You and I have lots in common. My request is sent. Would you like to be my friend? Would you like to be my friend? All right, party people. You just listened to my interview with my friend Corey. Uh, I I love at the end there. I actually have started looking into board games since we sat down and different ones. And I just got one. If you guys are fans of Esther Perel, I've mentioned her a few times on this podcast. She is a professional psychologist and relationship therapist. She has her own podcast as well as multiple books. Uh, State of Affairs is the one that I was introduced to. Awesome person. She made a game that is just like really a conversation starter. So if you're sitting around with your friends, you can play this game and it's a bunch of conversation prompts uh, where you kind of tell stories and you find it out. I've already played this with with some friends and people I've known for 20 some years and I've already learned things about them. So just goes to show that it works. It's a cool game. I think you can only get it at her website, Um, but it's called Where Should We Begin, which is also the name of her podcast, I believe. But Thank you, Corey, for making me seek out new board games and and for talking about, you know, accepting yourself for who you are. That's such a huge thing. Uh, and I, I didn't know if she wanted to discuss it or not. And I was super happy she did because uh, that that's obviously a topic that a lot of people can relate to. So I loved this. I hope you guys loved this. I had a lot of fun and I'm looking forward to just another episode, you guys. And it's October. It's going to get folly out. And Halloweeny, weenie, I said weenie, guys. Um, and people are messaging me. They're finding previous episodes. Uh, Truly's episode where she talks about her non-binary child. I just had someone message me about the sex and relationship series that I did with uh, therapist Jenny Helms. And, you know, I love that these are touching people. No pun intended. <laughs> I'm really excited about it. And I love it. Keep reaching out to me. Tell me your stories. Send me your feedback. You guys are the best audience that a guy could ask for. So thank you. I will talk to you next week. I love you. Bye.